Hello and welcome to the Data Busters podcast, the podcast for all things school data. It's been a hugely busy month at Data Busters Towers and we've been out spreading the word in Peterborough, Cheshire and Liverpool amongst other places. So here's the January episode of Data Busters. In this episode, we'll be considering whether, given what schools now know about changes to the accountability framework, data is now dead. And we're also going to look at what everyone needs to know about standardised tests. I'm Richard Selfridge, author of Data Busting for Schools, and joining me, as always, is Jamie Pembroke, data buster extraordinaire, insight facilitator, and all-round data guru. Hello, Jamie. Hello, mate. You all right? All well at this end, all very well. Um, so we've been out and about. What are your thoughts on things which have been, what's been occupying schools you've been speaking to when it comes to data at the moment? Ah, right. Uh, yeah, good question. Definitely two things. Uh, really stand out. One is inevitably uh, questions about how progress we measured uh, for primary schools this year. So those DFE measures for key stage two progress. Um, and the other thing is uh, a lot of questions about how schools monitor, measure, show progress, use data to show progress of those children that are working outside of their year group, i.e. working below, like working a year or more than a year behind. Uh, that seems to be something that's a real hot topic and, uh, and, and can cause schools to do some quite crazy things with data. So that's something that feeds into uh, what, what we're going to talk about today. Uh, just on the first one about DfE progress measures this year, I mean, obviously schools are really interested in this mm. or um, getting a bit obsessed about it, maybe. Um, we are going to cover this in another podcast. The short answer is um, we don't know the fine details. We won't know the fine details until September. Uh, we might get a bit of information before that quite soon where they'll give us some broad uh, information about the, the, the measure. Um, but, but it will be very similar to what we've had in the past. Um, they'll use the teacher assessment at Key Stage 1 to place children into prior attainment groups. And at the end of Key Stage 2, their, the child score will be compared to the average score for their prior attainment group. And it will be based on teacher assessment because, as you well know, the DfE didn't collect scaled scores at Key Stage 1. So they've only got the teacher assessment to go by, which will cause some problems. Mm. We'll, we'll, we'll uh, cross that bridge when we come to it, I guess. <laughs> Quite, exactly. Yeah, and, it, and particularly the schools are really struggling with, you know, how do you, how, what should we be doing about those children who are working below expectations? Again, it's a, it's a bit of a thorny issue all around at the moment. Yeah, I, I think that schools are still locked into this uh, world of needing to measure things mm. Um, mm. and having a nice, neat, convenient measure uh, which they can apply across all children all stages, all subjects. Um, and, and we know the sort of thing that under levels, we were talking about children making sort of three or four points of progress. And after levels went, we carried on doing this. And I've, 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 I've blogged and, and talked about this uh, a yeah. lot. Um, but, but it's still going on and schools still want something like that, uh, that they can mm. use. The problem is that those children who work, well, one, that's just recreating levels. Um, and, and two, it implies that, lev uh, that, that progress is linear um, and that progress mm. in that year and that subject um, is, is kind of comparable to progress in that year and that subject. So it's all on this kind of nice equal scale. And that causes problems. You've got children who are working below and they've made, say, small amounts of the progress. They've covered uh, small amounts of the curriculum. Um, it is, can we in some way compare that to children who are keeping pace with their 
age-appropriate curriculum. And I don't think we can. And, and I don't think it's right, maybe, to say that, you know, you've got a child who's in year six, who's kind of currently working in year two, year three content, and they've broadly covered the year two curriculum or the year three curriculum, but they are sort of several years behind. Is that the same as a child who's in year six who's covered the year six curriculum? I, I, I don't think it is, but we want to sort of treat mm. it as such because it's sort of convenient and it's neat, but I, I don't yeah. think it is convenient and neat. So I, I think <laughs> the issue is, as it always is, it's measuring progress. Measuring progress at, at a classroom level, at a school level, or at a national level is massively problematic. So I, I think mm. that's the problem. I, I think that we can um, make up something and pretend that they've made expected progress. I'm doing air quotes now. We can make expected yep. progress um, mm. And you can say, oh, they've made really good progress and they've made their three or their four or their five points or whatever. But at the end of the day, mm. the, 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 I doubt that the national progress measures will be as sympathetic. You know, that um, mm. we, we're trying to um, kind of second guess the national measures, emulate them in some ways, but we can't. So we're just kind mm. of fudging it. And the chances are it won't line up with the national measures. So I don't mm. see the point. Yeah, I'm no, I think that's fair enough. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, that's fair enough. Exactly. I don't think, you know, because um, we, obviously we've been out on um, out the Data Busters tour and talking to people there. You know, we've, we've been making this point that, um, that Ofsted are kind of using progress in two different ways, one of which is to talk about progress measures, and the other, other one is almost development within school, within the curriculum. And that's causing yeah. some degree of, uh, you know, just people are just a bit concerned about it. But certainly at every event that we've spoken at, at least one school uh, has been inspected under the new framework. Yeah, and each yeah. time we just we hear the same story, don't we? Inspectors, they're not asking to see internal data. So they're not asking to see progress in that way. And unless you publish figure, data, um, it flags an issue. They're probably not going to look at the published data either. But they are clear. They do want to know that you know your school. They want to know how familiar teachers are with the curriculum and how they're assessing knowledge. But all of this then is, you know, does all of this mean that data's dead? You know, should schools simply ditch the data they, they used to collect, they used to use, or should they be looking for ways to make data work more efficiently and effectively? I know you've written about this, and we've yeah. been definitely thinking about it, haven't we? Mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that it's, it's really telling that there are some schools that are, they're not ditching data, um, mm. but maybe they're kind of putting it on the back burner or they're not thinking about it quite as much. And that just demonstrates just how much Ofsted drive things in schools yeah it, they react to Ofsted. they go right so we don't really need to show them data anymore so therefore we don't really need data and i, and I think that speaks volumes about uh, the, the the way that data is treated you know in in schools that it is it is predominantly or has been predominantly a tool uh for accountability to keep the wolf from the door rather than as a useful tool if you get it right then it doesn't matter what Ofsted do because you think, well, this is useful information. This is something that feeds into what we do, that um, gives us useful information about children's learning, that tells us lots of useful stuff. Uh, and therefore, of course, we're going to keep on doing it. I mean, you talk about this, about um, all that contextual information, mm. all that really useful mm. stuff about yeah. um, and knowledge, the things you need to know about yeah. children. You, yeah. I, I can hear your clock going off there. It's I know, exactly. Don't you love it? It's busting time. Proper data busting time when there's something yeah, going on in the bomb. background. Any minute now, I'm going to have traffic noises in the background like they do on, uh, on Radio 5 news reports. They always like to have them standing by the side of a road so you get a bit of background. That's right. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. So, exactly. um, 
Yeah. yeah, so so you you like to know all sorts of useful yeah. information when you're in the classroom, don't you? Absolutely, exactly. And we talk about this, you know, um, uh, at our data busting session, actually thinking about data strategically and thinking about it as a useful thing which informs what happens within your school. Because as you say, if if you suddenly hear, oh, Ofsted aren't interested in data, therefore we won't do it anymore. Well, that, as you say, it, it raises that question. But I think thinking strategically, saying, well, what do we actually know about, need to know within our school, within our context about these children, these classes? classes um, and how to actually use that properly yeah. um, and I think it is a key thing isn't it to say to people yeah, yeah. you know you've got a big opportunity now so grasp it yeah. to get it right so yeah. one of the things is like the, number one uh, you should know there's a lot of contextual information that is clearly yeah. very useful uh, so things are like, obviously there's the obvious ones like EAL um, and and that kind of stage of, of language acquisition um, send uh, send status, primary need, all those different sort of um, barriers to learning are obviously really important. But the mm. month of birth, and I, I know you, you, you will talk about that Absolutely. in a second, I guess. Mm. Um, and and there's lots of other things uh, like that. So there's contextual information. Attendance, uh, not mm. just attendance in, in your school, but maybe you can get attendance in, in previous schools, when they joined your school, what time of year they joined your school, have they been in your school since reception, or did they join later than that? Have they had quite a um, sort of a, 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 have they had quite a mobile school history? So they've been to lots of different schools. Sure. Um, that's another thing that we know has has impact on their learning. Um, mm. And prior attainment, it shocks me just how often, uh, how many teachers aren't yes. aware of things like, did they achieve a good level of development to foundation stage? Uh, if they didn't, which early learning goals were they weaker in? Uh, were they emerging in? Mm. Um, and which ones maybe did they exceed in? Uh, mm. And um, phonics, did they pass the phonics test? What was their score? Um, which words did they struggle with? Did they pass it in year two rather than year one? Or did they never pass it mm. at all? What were their key stage one results? Loads of year three, four, well, mm. probably year four, five <laughs> teachers don't know what children got yep. in key stage one, which is, um, what, was there a difference in the score that they got in the key stage one test? And their teacher assessment, maybe they got a score above 100, but they were working towards in terms of the teacher assessment or the other way around. You know, that mm. they got a they, they, they were expected, but they at te in, mm. in terms of their teacher assessment, but they got a lower, a below 100 score. So there's lots of useful information. Um, there. Exactly. And one of the key points that we keep making in data busting is that you need this information for certain children and possibly for certain groups of children. You don't yeah. need it for everybody because no. a whole bunch of children, they're just no. fine. No, but access things. to it is important, though, because yeah, you might exactly. not need to drill down and find all this. You don't need to have this in your head. So access no. to this information mm -hmm. is really important. All teachers should have access to all of this information if they yeah. need it. Go, there's something, um, mm. there's something not quite right here, or this mm. child is struggling, or this group. I'm going to go away and have a look at this. And so access to that information is really important. And obviously, ongoing teacher assessments, standardized mm. test scores, you know. Mm. Um, so having, being able to go back and look at their previous reading tests and if they're doing NFER or, 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 mm. or Rising Stars tests, going back and looking at that information, um, is, 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 it's important. It's very yeah. useful. Exactly. And there's all this information in schools. You know, so we've talked about age information, which I always make a big thing about. When I teach, I now have seating plans which have the child's rank uh, age rank in the in the class I, yeah. I, that's what i use because it really helps me to see the children who are younger and yeah. older and, and yeah. the difference yeah 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 um another thing which we've talked about at data busters quite a bit is just you know things happen in school particularly in primary schools you've got yeah. children who are in school for six seven years and i often use as you know my uh, one of my children um uh, in primary school um, by the end of year six had 15 different teachers 
Yeah, that's yeah. just what happened. Her class yeah, was yeah, just yeah. it. Yeah, you know, it, their yeah. children are dropping in and out. And again, if you're teaching that class in year five, year six, you need to know that, okay, so these children, you know, it's, for, through no fault of the schools, it's just the way it is, that yeah. maybe they've got gaps and therefore you do yeah. just need to keep going back and checking things. Whereas another yeah. class you've had, you know, some, I was talking to somebody the other day saying, yeah, well, actually my child only had, I think it was about four teachers in the whole of um, primary because the same teachers had taught them twice. Right, yeah, yeah. And you think, and actually in a village primary school, small village yeah. primary schools, that could be quite common. Yeah. Um, and therefore, yeah, therefore, so... you'd expect there that the teachers really know the children and, and, and they probably, you know, they've seen any gaps. It's a slightly different issue to a child who's, who's had 15 teachers by the time they get to year yeah. six. So there's qualitative so data, isn't it? So that, yeah. that, um, being able to make notes about children and about Absolutely. groups of children that then other teachers can access. And you think, well, that sounds obvious. But, yeah. but I think that having one system, and I, you mm. know, I, I know obviously I, I represent um, one particular system, mm. but, but that, it's useful to have a system which you can get all this information into so that teachers can find out lots of yeah. useful stuff and add to it. You know, you can put, well, yeah, that, that sort mm. of soft data, that qualitative data is really, you can make notes, you can, uh, you can add little flags to, to, uh, to children to say that the, these are, there are sort of, you, you talk about sort of SWOT analysis, you know, there's risks yeah. and, and, and opportunities um, mm. out there. So one of the things I've been looking at recently, so try mm. and get away from the progress thing, is those children that are working below Mm -hmm. um, so I, if you want to present data to governors or a map board or something like that, for example, mm. you will have uh, you, you will probably be showing them the percentage of children in each year group, in each subject that are we like the word fine, don't we? We do. Yeah. Right? yeah. So they're fine. There's they're absolutely, fine. Right, they're fine. They are probably yeah. going to go on to achieve expected standards. Right. Yeah. So they are working at or above expectations at this point in time so they're fine right so mm -hmm. you've got like 75 80 percent whatever are fine okay yep. what we're more interested in i suppose are that group that aren't yeah and this is where it really rather than treating them as some group and saying this group have made four and a half points of progress which is of mm. no use to anybody yep. how about we break that down into the individual parts i.e mm. pupil by pupil now for governors you wouldn't be having names on this but mm. you'll be able to say right we've got these children who are in this year group in this subject are really struggling. Mm. Um, now, you can have some contextual information. They're boys. They were summer born, uh, or uh, um, th this child has uh, um, only just joined the school. This child has been here for since reception. Um, this child has got this attendance. They all quite low, got low attendance. Stuff like that. So contextual information. Prior attainment, statutory prior attainment, didn't achieve GLD, didn't achieve phonics, were working towards a key stage one or pre-key stage. And here are some, here's some ongoing assessment data, including things like reading ages. So mm. it's not neat. It's quite mm. messy in, in, mm. in that it's, it's nitty gritty detail. But that's, for me, much more useful. And one of the things I have been looking at is breaking it down into sort of groups where you say, well, of these, who... Of these children, who are, who are the ones who are probably not going to be sitting tests at Key Stage 2? They're pre-Key mm. Stage. They're not going to be sitting tests at Key Stage 2. Right? So that's one group. And those who probably will sit the test, which ones have a chance of achieving expected standards and which ones will really struggle to do so? So we've got mm. like three groups there that, that we can flag them up like that. And I think that prevents that pupil-by-pupil -pupil detail is a much more useful, rich source of information. Yeah, exactly. And it's that whole thing of, of looking at um, information about the pupils, about the classes, about the, uh, the cohorts uh, and using that. And rather than looking at this, you know, slightly nebulous, possibly made up data that people were saying, oh, this child is, you know, effectively a level of some kind that really you're just, you know, a lot of the time you're making a guess, taking an assumption. 
um, that wasn't terribly useful, didn't really help you in the classroom, was just, just something people were doing for, for outside reasons rather than for reasons in the school. Mm -hmm. And I think the summary for your, uh, the, the piece which you wrote, the blog which you wrote recently, which we'll put in the show notes, that kind of says it all. I know we've got talks about this, you know, um, bad data's dead, but let's uh, long live good data. Yeah, 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 absolutely, yeah. I, I think that um, we, we, for that particular group, well, for all children, we, mm. all, all schools need to do is, is sit down and, and think about what actually is useful. And let's evaluate what we currently do uh, and in the light of Ofsted giving us license to do so, essentially, although it's never really been that case. We've always had license to do this. Mm. What is useful? Stop doing it. Be really, really honest. If this is just a, a total time burden that gives us nothing in return um, other than some nice, neat, fancy number... Uh, then, then stop doing it. And, and as for this group of children that are working below, I think we've got to stop treating them as some kind of group and say, right, what, what proportion of this group have made expected progress or how many points of progress did the group made? Because it is, mm. uh, well, the expected progress thing, you know, I've written about this, Ofsted are banned from using the phrase expected progress. There is no such thing as expected progress. It, you can have as many different rates of expected progress as you have children in a classroom, I guess. You know, they've all got different needs and, and what have you. Mm. So we've got to stop thinking about it in those terms when we're reporting to governors and those sorts of groups say, right, these children are fine. Here mm -hmm. are the children that aren't. And let's have a look at this on a case by case basis. And, and I'm going to give you lots of lots of nitty gritty detail about those children so you can see the sort of individual progress that they're making. Um, but we've got to stop treating them as like one sort of group and trying to have some kind of made up metric that apparently shows how much progress they've made on average. Yep. Excellent. Yeah, no, I, and I'm really looking forward to it. Again, if you're a school and you're grappling with all of this stuff, then, you know, get in touch with us. You can get in touch with us via Twitter um, or um, directly. We'll let you know some contacts a bit later. But, yeah, let us know what you're doing because everybody's thinking about this. So we've got suggestions, but it's also uh, it'll be very interesting to hear what, what people are doing to, uh, to respond to the current um, very interesting situation we find ourselves where people are beginning to take a bit more control of their data. Indeed. Time for our regular What Everyone Needs to Know About slot. So this month we're looking at what everyone needs to know about standardised testing. Now we've talked about standardised scores and we've talked about um, the data arises yeah. from quite a bit. But thinking about tests themselves and why are they standardised, I think it's always quite interesting to talk about this because uh, standardising a test basically means trying to make things as, as the same for all those people who have taken the test so that the conditions are the same. Because that isn't always the case. You talk to different people's different schools and you find that um, schools do tests at different times and just under different conditions. You've had experience of this, haven't you? Well, yeah, I think that um, this is a missed point because there's, there's sort of two aspects here. There's the standardization process, which uh, the scores are derived from. Um, but mm. there's the, the standardization of administration of the test is really important in school, how you actually uh, mm. carry that test out. And so Matt's, for example, want to use these tests to uh, compare standards in schools hopefully to enable mm. them to spot issues in schools so they can divert resources or whatever to those schools that need them. Um, but, but if you're not doing the tests under the same conditions on the same day at the same point, mm. then, then I, I, I can't see how it's going to work. And I, I think that's, that's an issue where like one school yeah. has done it um, earlier in the term on a Tuesday and another school has done it on the very last day of term. And actually doing it in the very last day of term is probably not a good idea either, yeah. is it? So... Um, no, exactly. And, and mum did yeah. it when it was really sunny and another did it when it was raining or there were leaves blowing around outside. You know, that yeah. that is not uh, standardising. 
No, exactly. And I think, you know, within any school, particularly in a primary school, you've got people who've got experience of particularly doing the key, the key stage two, the year six tests, because those have um, become, you know, even more rigorous in the standardization process yeah. there. So it's very clear how you take the yeah. test. And again, if you're not sure in school, talk to your year six teachers or people who've had experience of that and go through it and have a think. What you need to make sure is that, you know, the conditions are the same. So as you say, if you've got a mat and you want to gather some information in, you're probably better off saying to all the schools, right, we'd like you to do this assessment at this time, because what that does is that reduces the bias that is yeah. introduced. So, you know, psychometricians, the people who develop um, tests or inform the development of tests, they'll tell you. So they need to be standardized so that you're, you're trying to minimize the amount of bias that might That's come right. in externally. Yeah, yeah exactly. Now, also from that, um, uh, I wrote a piece about this with various questions that I hear regularly, that one hears regularly within school. And I think that people do need to consider things like, um, you know, some of the questions on a test, they're too difficult for some of my students. Um, so is this test fair and reliable? Um, and this is the thing which we've talked about, about mm. why, uh, so the, the question of the test, why they're chosen. Yeah. Um, you know, you choose test items, the things on the test, to differentiate between candidates so most of the time you're looking for questions that will, that'll, you know, some of the children will get right, some of them will get wrong. But for your children who are very able, you need to have some quite difficult questions. You have to have a challenge, don't you? You've got to have a bit of challenge in there. Equally, for your children who, um, who are going to struggle with a, with a test, um, you need some relatively easy questions on the yeah. test. But some of the questions are going to be too difficult for the majority of your students, and they might not be able to answer them correctly. But a couple of your stu students might do. So those questions are, are probably in there to differentiate between the children who are working really at the top end of the ability range or have you wanted to refer to that within your class. Yeah, so, so, those are so here's, mm. here's a tricky question then. Um, how mm. useful are these tests that schools are doing? Uh, you know, and obviously mm. a lot of schools are doing them every term in years you know, two, three, four, five, six. Mm. How useful are they for question level analysis then? Exactly. And I think that's one of those things because it takes quite a lot of time to input all that information. And if you work in a school as I do, you get asked occasionally to fill things in. Um, it takes a lot of time. And if you understand that the test items are chosen to differentiate between candidates and, um, and so on, you understand that actually doing a lot of analysis of what have they actually been asked isn't hugely beneficial because the question is trying to test the domain rather than the specific piece of information. So that's the first thing. Yeah. You know, don't, don't teach to the test. Don't look at the test from last year and think, oh, I need to teach them this, because it's not going to tell you something useful and it might distort your answers. Um, and the second thing is, if it takes a lot of time uh, and effort, so if it's a paper-based test, I would really question whether that analysis is going to be useful. The key stage two information, which you get for free, which they've done, yeah. that might tell you yeah. Um, broadly, if there's anything which maybe the children in your school might be missing, but even then I'd touch, treat that with a, with a pinch of salt. Unless you know, unless you think it's valuable for you, I wouldn't be spending a lot of time. On yeah, it. I've spoken to people about this, and, and you know, they've mm. said that um, uh, that that some some use the question level analysis tools that the test providers mm. provide schools with. It could be a spreadsheet or an online tool, uh, and and they value yeah. that. But it does require teachers to enter a lot of ones and zeros into. A system and then mm. others will say well actually i find out enough from just marking the test myself uh, that tells me quite a lot i can see their workings yeah. out and i can see their scratchings out and um and where they've gone wrong and where Absolutely. they've gone right and how long it's taken them to yeah. arrive at the answer and um, the mistakes they've made mm. and that is far more informative than entering a load of ones and zeros which then just boils it down to like a binary yeah. thing um so yeah 
Exactly. And I, I, so again, within our data buster sessions, I almost want um, schools to get to the point, you almost want schools to get to the point where, where they're using standardized tests as a checking exercise to check against any possible biases which might have arisen in the classroom. And what I mean by that is, if you give uh, children a standardized test and if you standardize the administration and you haven't taught them to the test, then you'll get some results which probably should confirm what you thought that these children are working in the middle, these children are struggling a little bit, these children are making good progress. But the thing which you're looking for is uh, any children who don't appear where you thought they were going to be. Yeah. So if you've done anything to bias the answers of the test, like you know, teach to the test, prep them overly much for the test, it's, it's just going to distort stuff. And then it's not going to have told you stuff. Now, you might have done that in a, under a previous system where the results of the standardized tests were being used for performance management or whatever. But if you're genuinely using them as a, as a checking exercise to see whether, you, whether your teaching is working, yeah. <laughs> um, whether your assessments are, yeah. you know, your teacher yeah. assessments are working, yeah. then they're really useful. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and you can use them. As, now, obviously, we've got to remember, as we talked about before, that standardized scores from your NFER test, for example, are not the same as scaled yeah. scores at the end of Key Stage 2. But they can provide you with a good idea if you just like if you think about it in terms of percentiles, it gives you know where children are, broadly speaking, nationally on the basis of their standardized score. It can give you some idea of where they may end up being at the end of key stage two. Mm. So, yeah. yeah, so again, yeah, and so one of the key things about knowing about standardized testing is you're using it just to make sure you haven't missed anything, that the child who's quiet and diligent isn't actually struggling, but just looks like they're getting on okay, and the child yeah. who's noisy and irritating isn't um, not getting it, that they are getting it, they just need a bit of management into class. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, one of the biggest things that comes up whenever I talk to anybody about this is the, the whole, um, but my children haven't learned this, they haven't covered this aspect of the curriculum, so this test is incorrect because of that. Which, again, I know that, yeah, you've come across that as well. Yeah. It's one of those things that people often say, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's true. And, and I suppose I, I've, um, I, I sort of sit on the fence a bit on this. So uh, mm. I totally understand what you're saying, that that, that is uh, maybe a bit over-egged. Um, mm. And that, you know, obviously tests are designed with really difficult questions that very few children yeah. will be able to answer. That's the nature of a standardised test, and I get that. Um, it is interesting mm. you go into some schools where you're presented with data from an autumn and a spring and a summer test. And, and this usually happens in maths, uh, mm. where children in the autumn test get these really low scores. Or really low, but like say scores in the 90s, uh, low sure. 90s, and then they get sort of upper 90s or 100, and then they get sort of mm. uh, way above 100 in the final test. And, and that looks really weird, because you really would expect children to sort of be there or thereabouts, sort of maintaining a sort of similar score. Now, they are fuzzy, so it will go up and down a bit. But I, remember, mm. I do remember going to a school where someone had calculated the difference between the summer and the autumn test. And this, these, there were children there that gone, like, this child's made 15 points of progress. This child's made 20 points of progress. And, and he was saying, yeah. that's evidence of good progress, isn't it? And I'm saying, I think possibly mm. it's more evidence that you've got an invalid test. I don't know, but I don't mm. think that's evidence. Yeah, exactly. Subtracting one from the other is not a progress measure. I, I think that's a, that I, I would say that was an alert, and I want to go and look at the test. Yeah. But having said that, I think in the majority of cases, the tests are valid and they work. It's just sometimes exactly. you see Because ideally, you know, a, a child would be scoring, you know, whatever they score on the, on the autumn test, they should be getting within three to six marks or points yeah, of yeah. that, um, standardised scores of that within, um, the, you know, any further tests. But I think that also goes to show how difficult it is to really um, assess children, you know, because basically standardised tests are trying to rank children, put them into a, a standardised distribution, 
Um, so yeah, there's a whole bunch of things there where you need to be careful about it. And again, um, in terms of children's um, coverage of curriculum, yes, they've probably covered something slightly different, but the test hopefully will just give you something. And if you, if you administer a test over a number of years, you'll build a picture for your school yeah. of this is what yeah. we usually see in the autumn, this is what we see. It, it, but yeah. all of that is to say it gives you some kind of check as a teacher. So you've got to do that. And then the standardised if you see them as a tool to check against any possible bias, they're really useful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's exactly it. Um, it's your opportunity to get some external reference, some validation, um, useful information. What we should avoid, what we need to avoid is doing, I think, is treating them as a progress measure um, yeah. because that does tend to break things. There's this expectation the scores will go up and, and that's not really a thing. Um, it can tell you it can tell you that they're making good progress, I guess. But what we need to try and do is not not sort of quantify it yeah. um, as much. So, yes, unbiased assessment um, in between statutory assessments an opportunity to get some unbiased assessment. Exactly. And not using them as a progress measure. Yeah. That's pretty much it for this month, everybody. The Data Busters podcast is published monthly during the academic year, and it's available on all good podcast outlets. And if you like what we're doing, please recommend us to other people. Any questions, feel free to send in a voice recording, which you can do, or contact us on Twitter, either at databusting, which is me, or at Jay Pembroke, which is Jamie. And if you'd like to find out more about current data landscape and what you need to know about data, um, then the data busting tour, we're rolling on through the we're country. We're rolling on, we're in rolling on. So exactly. where are we going? Bolton? We're busy, aren't we? Uh, Bolton on the 12th of February. Uh, we've got uh, Epsom that on yep. the 25th and Suffolk yep. on the 27th of February. 7th of February, so, exactly. Yeah, we've got then we're into coming up. Um, and yeah, it's been good. It's been really good. Been really enjoying it. Yeah, the response has been really good. Again, for those people who haven't, you know, if you won't have attended, if you have attended, hello, nice to have had you along. If you haven't, we basically, in the morning, we look at things you have to do. There's a lot of facts. In the afternoon, we look at things you should do. There's loads of opinion. But there's things about and what we aim to do is leave you with, uh, with a, you know, reasonable roadmap for yourself to think, okay, how are we actually going to move yeah. forward? Um, yeah, it's been so a really good response. Rationalise your data life. We, we need to get Absolutely. those T-shirts printed. We do need to know exactly. Next month on the podcast, we're going to look at the reception baseline assessment. Oh, yes. Where, hey, and the ongoing, because it's a controversial it is, thing. Yeah, yeah, well, we can't avoid it. Progress. Yeah, exactly. If you've got any thoughts on that um, or anything else which we've raised in the podcast, then please get in touch. So, everybody, that's us for this month. It's been very good to have you along. Um, I say share the word. Thank you very much, um, Jamie. Cheers, mate. We'll speak soon. Thank and everybody well. out there, keep data busting. Mm -hmm.